0: Welcome to the AWP 2020 podcast by Bloomsday Literary and Effing Shakespeare, hosted by Kate Martin-Williams and Fu Lu, narrated by Michael Julius
1: Y. Adani. Yeah, it's- the door opening? I, I don't know how to actually... Oh, <laughs> oh, oh,
0: disable that. it. Uh, someone's coming in. You got a yes. thief coming in, too. It's, <laughs> yeah, take, this your, is, take your books. This
1: is e-learning right now. <laughs> this oh, is oh. my children oh, <laughs> going in and out. So okay, I got ya. I got ya. Okay. Oh,
2: shoot. Okay, so let me see if I can. <laughs> We had There's somebody one. at AWP who it was also their first podcast. And at some point they left a note on the table at our booth that, was, that said, thanks for popping my podcast, Cherry. <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'm just thinking you don't want to have me on the Scrivener podcast anymore. At this point,
0: <laughs> i <laughs> gives you
1: an idea of how I
0: handle By Scrivener, I need a oh. pad and a pencil. <laughs> oh.
2: We have a special bonus installment here today on the pod. We have short story writer Amy Widmoyer Hansen here today whose writing has won the 2018 New Letters Prize for Fiction and the 2016 Iowa Review Award judged by Kelly Link. She's been nominated for the Penn Robert J. Dow Short Story Prize and she's with us here today because she's also a mentee in the AWP Writer to Writer Mentorship Program. We're doubly lucky because her mentor is also here, a good friend of the show, a friend to us, and author of the beautifully penned novel The Weight of a Piano. Which we talked about extensively in season three of the show, Chris Cander. So Chris and Amy,
1: welcome.
0: Thank you. It's so nice to be able to talk to you all
1: together like this.
2: Yeah, pretty yes, cool. Thank you for having us. Thanks for thanks for making time in this very strange time in which we're living. But it's nice to be able to find refuge in each other and maybe uh, take our mind off things a little bit and talk. Agreed. Yeah.
1: Yes, definitely.
2: So maybe just to start us off, Amy, can you tell us how you found your way to the Writer to Writer program? I'm
1: um, Sure. Well, at first I wanted to just say thank you so much for having me. It was so great to meet you in person at the conference and I'm glad we get to talk a little more. So I Found out about the writer to writer program probably initially in 2015. I went to AWP when it was hosted here in Minneapolis, and had heard great things, but didn't feel quite ready at that point to apply. And then in 2018, I went to the Breadloaf Writers Conference, and I happened to room two doors down from Diane Zena, who we all know and love, and. Mm-hmm was able to hear a little more about the program through her. And also just because she was there, it seemed that everyone was talking about just what a wonderful opportunity this is. So I applied for the fall of 2019 and was fortunate to be matched with Chris.
2: Super cool. What what was the uh, application process like for you, Amy?
1: Well, I submitted... I can't remember how many words it was, but I submitted some work that they looked at. And then I also answered a series of questions just about um, my experiences as a writer and uh, what I hope to get out of the program and what I was looking for in a mentor. So then they take a look at that as well as all of the applications they have for mentors. And then I think they try to fit people with needs and um how mentors hope to serve and um yeah and they did a wonderful job with us for sure there just have been so many things in common as we've gotten to know each other just aside from the writing so that's been i agree it's, great it
0: gift. was a great fit it was a great fit <laughs> so chris swiped right on you Amy. chris
2: swiped right oh, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually did swipe right on her. In fact, the way that it works from the mentor perspective, um you probably know this, but uh Sue and Kate, but they Diane did such a hero's job of culling out people that she felt like would be potential matches and she presented, I think there were maybe five or six, I don't remember, but before she even sent me my packet, she asked me if I had ever that if I were already friends with Amy and I had not ever heard of her at that point. And I said, tell me why. And she said, um, I just feel I thought maybe that you had met already. And so I when I got the packets that I could select from, I read Amy's first and I immediately uh, texted Diane and said, now I understand what you were talking about <laughs> because there was such a feeling of connection um that leapt off the page through her writing and i felt like i knew her oh my god and diane thought that we had already become friends because there was such a similarity in our style and tone Mm -hmm. which i thought was a huge compliment because amy's a wonderful writer so it was an immediate swipe right i (laughs) i did go ahead and read the other ones just to you know do my due diligence but i knew from the first pass that i wanted to work with amy
2: what what so was nice. it about her? I'm sorry to speak over that because it was sweet. It was very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so what, so Chris, so what yeah, it? about her writing style for those those of our listeners who haven't gotten to read any of Amy's work.
0: Well, the scope of her project uh, is, is wonderful for one thing. I mean, it's an ambitious, big project with three narrators and multiple uh, parts. And she had tapped into these different voices in such an elegant way an evocative way and i felt like it was something that i couldn't wait to read the whole thing and so it, she just has a real gift and i knew that there were some areas that i could help her maybe improve a little bit and because i had recognized some similar issues in my own writing over the years and so i just thought that it would be a great opportunity for us to work together and that she would teach me as much as i would teach her that sort of leads me to my oh, nice. next question.
1: <laughs> <Chris>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what led you to to apply for the mentorship positions with the writer to writer program?
0: Oh, you know, I and I had the opportunity to do it the previous year as well and felt like I had a wonderful match at that point too from the 2018-2019 season. But I think the reason I wanted to to do it is because early in my career I was really fortunate to have support from some incredible writers, many of whom continue to share their time and talent with me and others. And the connection that I felt with them um, benefited me not only from a practical standpoint, like being given some editorial insights or publishing advice or introductions to industry insiders, but it also gave me a real sense of belonging. And I wanted to pay those kindnesses forward to other emerging writers.
2: Which is something that can be hard for new writers to sort of chart a path for that, unless unless you're lucky enough to, you know, get to Breadloaf or any of the other sort of fellowship opportunities that you might have. If you're not in the market or haven't been able to get placed in those places, it can be difficult to find mentors, especially if you're out I of the university do. systems or the yes. MFA programs. And so I I keep hearing that this is one of those sort of rare opportunities to be able to connect in that way, which is so cool.
0: Especially if you're geographically remote from, you know, hubs of creative writing. right? Down, you know, I'm obviously in Houston, as are you, Fu, and Kate, but Amy's in Minnesota. And so we probably wouldn't have crossed paths were it not for this opportunity.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And how, yeah, yeah. how fortunate. So let's talk a little bit more about the kind of notion that, you know, writing is a solitary endeavor. What have been some of the biggest takeaways for you guys? And maybe I'll I'll ask Amy first about this program in terms of connection and not being alone (laughs) in your writing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, there are so many things I think for, well, for one, I really applied for this just being in sort of a lonely place as a writer, which is easy to have happen, I think, when you're not part of an MFA program. And, you know, it was far enough along in my project that I kind of knew what I needed to move forward and what my holding points were, but not really having full access to everything just because, you know, I'm not part of that academic world right now. So I've kind of had to piece together my own, Education, I guess, over the years. My background, just as a side note, is not in writing. It's actually in music, which is another coincidence between uh, Chris and I. With her beautiful, right? Yeah, about a piano. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, yes. So I applied, kind of knowing the things that I needed in order to kind of move forward with my revision, and those were basically trying to just refine certain parts of my my book. As as I worked with Chris, I would say the biggest breakthrough with me was being able to just bring more interiority into my characters that's something that I realized just over our time together was lacking and I just really had a big breakthrough in that in that regard, how to open characters up without bogging the narrative down and getting into too much interior monologue and so I would say that that was one of the biggest takeaways for me. And we also talked a lot about publishing and how to put together a query letter, how to approach agents. You know, Chris has been very transparent or has shared a lot about her own experiences in the publishing world, which has been also very valuable. So mm-hmm. um, I would say those two things. And then I think third, just like you said, Kate, just finding these places where we don't feel so alone as a writer and uh, people who can kind of understand that balance between our regular life and our writing life and how to move forward with a project when there are other things going on in, in our lives and mm. namely children and family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and beeping doors. Beeping doors. Yeah. And beeping doors
2: pandemics, that kind of thing.
1: (laughs) 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 But I can just say, you know, now that we've, you know, finished the mentorship, I mean, I look back on that with just such gratitude, and just feeling so lucky that I was matched with, with Chris, and just the amount of time that she gave the energy and attention that she gave my work was just a huge gift that, you know, hopefully, I'll be able to pay down at some point. But
0: or pay it forward, Amy.
1: Or pay it forward. Yes, I guess.
0: <laughs> I can I throw something in there about the idea of of solitary confinement and the you know new era of solitary confinement. <laughs> yes, um, please. It, do. It's, it's something even more important now. But one of the things that I noticed in my own career, looking back, is the sense that you know looking at you know, swaths of other people, it was really easy to compare myself mm-hmm. to um, to others and to get discouraged by my lack of, of quote unquote, success compared to other writers. And I think that having intimate connections with individual writers at different stages in their careers helps to keep everything in perspective and to realize that every every writer's path is going to be fraught with its own particular challenges. And and the idea of being able to take a deep breath and recognize that it's just part of the the career path that we've chosen, it to me it helps a lot to to have people admit the troubles that they experienced and the kind of the moments of feeling depressed by it all and how they plowed forward in the face of rejection, for example, or, you know, being passed over for certain opportunities. It's it just gives it a little bit more humanity to recognize that, that we're, it's not just, you know, the one person compared to everybody else who on social media, you know, is presenting these wonderful um, faces of success, but realize that it's, it's all really individual and, and the way that we define success is unique to us and it happens at different rates and to really kind of stay connected with the reason that we're doing this in the first place.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah such a good note I was just culling through my emails like A lot of us are doing apparently we we got an email the other day from someone it had been like two years since we'd emailed them and they're like i just found your email in the bottom of my inbox and i was laughing about it because the day before i had done the same thing to someone else who had emailed me and i was like oh my gosh i never replied to this but i i feel like it's that that kind of thing is happening more and more right now um but the email was about someone who was asking if I would be able to connect them to an agent that i had mentioned on the show and and this is a friend of mine and I said oh unfortunately i don't i i only know them as a casual listener to their podcast but I was able to say after doing this show for as long as we've done it um, and talking to so many authors all their journeys are so different you know there's there's no one way to get an agent so I was able to mm-hmm. say to him you know that door is closed but there's I can I can tell you 50 different ways that people have stumbled or or not stumbled and rather intentionally or, you know, taken the back door in or or whatever and found an agent in different ways or found a path to publication in different ways. So despair not that I can't connect you to this one person. But here's, you know, three other ways that it might work for you. Um, I love that. Yeah, it does. But it it is, you know, at the end of the day, it's what you said, Chris, about it um adding a dose of humanity to this yes. this process that can be really daunting and isolating and discouraging a lot of times so that it's it's so cool that you guys have mentors in your world that act as lifelines in that way
0: Absolutely I can't imagine trying to do this without that even you know even now even several books in I, I rely upon others to help me stay focused and keep me optimistic when Things feel like they're not going my way. So I yeah. think that continues throughout a, a writer's career.
2: So, who are these solitary people that are just like writing in the caves and getting published <laughs> without actually <laughs> having human interaction?
0: <laughs> Cormac McCarthy. I, maybe so. One. Just
2: Cormac no. and Don JD Salinger. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It, that's it. Yeah. it just seems very sad. Yeah.
1: I mean, it is it such is a fine. balance, though, I think, that, you know, needing that solitude, but then also needing people to walk alongside you and, you know, just believe in your work or encourage you in your, your work. And one thing that Chris said in her, um, I guess it was the application that Diane sent me after we had been matched or something, but but Chris had said just the value of keeping your eyes on your own paper. And did you actually just say that? Maybe a few minutes ago in what you were, I was so focused on what you were you're saying, but I've just gone back to that so many times over the last several months that it is easy, you know, with social media and, you know, going to a conference like AWP or just hearing of friends who are moving forward and already applying or submitting to agents to be just going back to that, keeping my eyes on my own paper. It's not fully baked yet. I'm not ready and mm-hmm. not rushing that process just to keep up with people
2: around you oh man that's so good I'm so glad that you um,
0: yeah, I'm so happy that you remembered that because that is I think that is the biggest takeaway that I have learned that I learned early on and it, I I have to revisit that too but I'm I'm glad it stuck with you as well
2: I want to yeah, put it in my office too <laughs> yes, eyes on your own paper. <laughs> yeah yeah because you know I'll get into like podcast statistics land which is a bad bad place to be <laughs> when you're you know <laughs> comparing downloads and and working as we do to get the word out but also remembering that the it's going to hit the right people at the right time and to if, the the more I distract myself with the 500 more podcasts that have come out about writing the less I'm doing focusing on on the work at hand which is not helpful <laughs> at the end of the day yeah so, it's so good I think even to
0: compare, you know, yourself to yourself, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I've tried to avoid thinking about the, the past success of a novel so that I can focus on the current project that I have, because that I've noticed too, it's easy to think about. And I've trained myself not to look at sales numbers or reviews. I don't have Goodreads. I don't go on Amazon. I just Try to keep my eyes on my own current paper as much as even <laughs> avoiding looking at other people's papers.
1: That's really Just good.
0: to stay focused on whatever is immediate.
2: So what's been your yeah. biggest takeaway, Chris? You said that it's been a gift to be able to give some advice that you got early on to somebody else. But, but is there a, a directional
0: arrow that goes in both directions here? Something that I have taken away from this opportunity is the experience of reading critically because i didn't get a an mfa i didn't study creative writing and so i consider myself a hack but i've read so <laughs> i am that makes but i read laugh, so cause... much <laughs> i i don't write reviews i you know there's so much that i haven't done in terms of like a a critic i don't you know i don't think in terms of criticism but being a mentor means that I need to provide that because I'm reacting as a I'm not just having a gut level reaction and moving on I'm trying to explain and analyze my reaction to help a writer make some improvements Mm -hmm. to my experience as a reader so that was a that's been really fun and exciting to practice that you know more critical analysis Mm -hmm. and to try to deliver it in a way that makes sense and can be helpful and and then I feel like when I'm talking about that with Amy or when I had talked about it with Amy that it made me look at my own work in a fresh way that made me wonder about the tendencies that I had and should I change some of my own approaches so I think that was amazing but also I just loved I mean I loved getting to know Amy I feel like we we really did have a connection that went beyond just being writers I feel like you know we and sadly I couldn't go to AWP this year as I had been planning so I was really looking forward to seeing her in person because I feel like we will be friends forever
2: oh yeah well Amy you're just gonna have to come down to Houston so you can have a big big old party yeah I would love to
0: (laughs) as soon as we're allowed to fly that's right Right. (laughs)
1: 2023
0: We'll
2: see, oh, there, right. we'll see you there, Amy. We'll see you here. The purpose of this recording is to lift everyone oh, okay. up, not okay, keep
1: sorry. us when we're down, <laughs> sorry. dude. Jeez.
2: Okay, so what's what's on the horizon for each of you? We'll close by looking ahead, maybe not to 2023, but but just in the next few months. What's next for you guys?
0: Amy, you go first.
1: Okay, I have to think. <laughs> well, the goal was <laughs> before shelter in place took effect. (laughs) I was hoping to finish my novel and submit to agents before my children were home from school, but that's the timeline that has kind of changed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but right now I'm just continuing to work through another revision and keep in mind a lot of the things that Chris and I had discussed in our time together. And I guess I will see where I'm at from once I'm finished with that and hopefully, you know, before 2020 is over, I will have this out on submission. So, but I am, you know, kind of, I've had, you know, a few people mention this just along the way. And I know Chris was one of them as well, that it is kind of the gift in your first book that there's no rush. There's no one that's really, you know, breathing down your neck to, to finish. It's really on your own. Mm Mm-hmm your own pace and what you can do. And so I'm trying to keep that in mind, but.
2: And so cool too, I that, that's where I'm at. It's so cool too, that uh, Chris knows your work so intimately now at this point. So when it, when it is ready to go out, she has a great feeling for houses that might be interested in that kind of thing and has paved those roads before. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. got to feel good too, to know that that's um, in the stars for you as you take the manuscript out to have some direction and someone who knows your work intimately that's really rare and it's got to be a good yeah
1: definitely too. yeah I'm very fortunate to have just her insight and that she's willing to share the journey with me and kind of shine a flashlight on my path so <laughs> yeah absolutely so that's been a I huge mean gift.
0: That's one of the reasons I wanted you to go first cuz I'm anxious to know how you know how you're doing how you're coming along with it because I really think that this is going to be so fantastic when I have the chance to read it all as a one whole piece.
1: Oh, thank you. Right now I'm actually trying to compile the whole manuscript and as I'm doing that I'm just going chapter by chapter and checking off my revisions and then I'll compile it on Scrivener and then I will do a full read through and go through with a pen that time and see where I'm at. I, I think, you know, so much of it at this point is just making sure that certain subplots are carrying through all the way and Mm. images are working the way that I want them to and, or the way the story wants to, I should say. And um, yeah, so that's sort of where I'm at, I guess, at this point, I am trying to use my afternoons right now while the kids are, at home we're kind of working in structure as we're going (laughs) yes (laughs) definitely different
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. but it's also good I think for my kids to see me working on that and you know gives them yes the idea that they can work through a project even when things come up that aren't expected so
2: right Chris do you use Scrivener too I do. I'm I a Scrivener fanatic. Really?
0: Yes. Man, we'll, yes. we'll
2: have to have another call where all we do is talk about Scrivener.
0: I can give you a tutorial. It's my favorite thing. I love <laughs> <a> it. <tutorial. laughs> yes. That's yes.
1: super
2: cool. Well, another reason you guys yes. are matched. Yeah. funny. talked
1: you... through some of this too. Yeah.
2: Is that like a, a box <laughs> you have to check when you fill out the application that says like Scrivener or Omrider or Word, <laughs> R- Word Docs or Google?
0: Chris, what's next for you? So I am working on, and I don't think I t- I've talked to Amy about this particular project. She was witness to some disappointment that I have in the fall when my my then editor, my editor of The Weight of a Piano was fired from Knopf mm. in May of last year. And so my new editor read and enjoyed, but didn't buy the book that I had been working on in the background during the release of The Weight of a Piano. So it's on hold. And, and then I started to try to create a new narrative out of parts of that book. And it didn't work for lots of reasons that are too lengthy and complicated <laughs> complicated to go into now. But I decided that I was going to completely shift gears and try something I've never done before. I'm writing from a single point of view in the point of view of a slightly unreliable narrator it's set in contemporary time in Houston in fact in my actual neighborhood and it's a little bit of a psychological thriller so I'm trying a lot of new things at once and I'm having such a good time doing it
2: oh my gosh I can't wait I can't wait how f- the last time we I'm, talked you had ju- I think you had just started so how far into it are you
0: I'm about 15,000 words in nice. and I'm starting chapter four today And I've got some ideas for the next few chapters. But obviously, there's going to be some stuff that will evolve that I can't predict. But it's inspired by a short story that was published in 1917. And it was Susan Glassville was a journalist. And she wrote this story called A Jury of Her Peers. It's a brilliant short story. And I fell in love with it. And when I was grappling with finding a new idea, my daughter reminded me that she had just shared the story with me. And I had this kind of epiphany that I want to write a full-length novel inspired by that same idea. So it's just been it's been so much fun. I can't wait to share it with you.
2: I love that story too of your daughter Thank giving you. you that story. So cool. Now, okay, can I geek out for just one second about genre? What Always. is your writing process changing because your
0: genre has shifted? Well, the the biggest thing that's changed is that I'm not having to do quite as much research. I mean, all my other novels have required just, I can't even quantify how much research I did because of the, you know, whether it was the geography or some skill or background or lifestyle or something that I didn't have any knowledge, primary knowledge of that I had to go learn. I'm, because I'm literally writing about my own neighborhood and people in it, it doesn't require as much. So it's kind of eerie how fast it's coming. You just get to um, go at it. Like, I'm just going at it. Yeah. <laughs> so now it doesn't mean it's not like pouring off my fingers. I mean, it's still very much the arduous process of trying to, you know, figure out what to do and say and all of that stuff. But it it's definitely a much more straightforward process. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Kind of cool. That's very cool.
2: Well, you guys, yeah. thanks for coming on the show. It's been Thank great you so to much
1: for to, having us. This.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's Go been ahead. great to get to hear you guys chat with each other and hear more about the writer to writer program. I certainly hope it continues. Do you do you guys know this might not be your purview, but do you know when the next round of applications is open and, and when they decide and such?
0: I think that they just completed their most uh, recent selection. So it's probably gonna be in another six months, but I'm I'm not certain.
2: Okay. Well, we wish you guys all the best. Chris, I hope everything goes well with a new project. And Amy, you as well. I hope when you go out to the land of queries that it's painless and lovely and we hear happy ending (laughs) from you. Thank Thank you so much, Kate. You got it.
0: This has been a live recording at the 2020 AWP Conference and Book Fair in conjunction with Bloomsday Literary.
2: Hey, folks. There's been a lot of talk about big numbers in recent days, big numbers that are terrifying and incomprehensible, but I've got a number that's big and not terrifying at all. It's 433,357.72 and 72 dollars and cents. That's the number of dollars raised by bookshop.org for independent bookstores since its inception this January 2020. If you're buying books, please buy from your local indie bookstores directly from publishers or from bookshop.org. Artists and bookstores need your support now more than ever.